We started a, a, a new series uh, last Sunday. It's a very short mini-series, three weeks, taking a, a little break from um, Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. As you all know, we, we've been going through Acts for a few months. Uh, we got through chapter 7, uh, came to a little bit of a halt, um, and then we'll pick back up in, in Acts shortly. But this, this little uh, mini-series is meant to, um, as, as we've grown, as we've seen God uh, bring new families in, uh, we know that with new people comes new gifts, new opportunities. Um, but we have to be talking about those, those ways to serve. We need to be talking about gifts and how we need to be coming together collectively um, as a church family to complement one another and see the kingdom advance here in Medina by putting Jesus in the perspective. So every person has a part in this mission. Uh, so we thought it would be great uh, to go through this. Um, specifically, as, as uh, Pastor Gary and I talked uh, as we were prepping for this, was how, how do we do this in three weeks? What's a, a really good way for us to grasp uh, the importance of, of using our gifts and, and understanding that you too are gifted, right? A lot of times we think, well, we're not the gifted ones, so we just need to sit back. But that's wrong, uh, so don't leave here thinking that you aren't gifted and that you aren't needed and equipped for service. So as we talked about this, we talked about the offices of Jesus. And this has been a typology for leadership in the church uh, for quite a few years now, probably back to, to uh, the early 2000s and church planting, and um, as church planting really made a push. How do we assess guys? But as we look at just assessing church planters and pastors, we also see that this is actually a vital thing for the church to understand, is these three offices of Jesus, um, all of his offices would be capitalized, right? Prophet, priest, and king. So these three offices, and when we look at them, we see prophet is the one who preaches and teaches and encourages from God's Word, right? The, the one who's stern and says, God's Word says this, so we're doing it this way. Now sometimes it can also sound like God's Word says this and we're doing it this way, right? It's teaching from God's Word. That's what we talked about last week. If you missed that one, I would encourage you to go back and, and listen to that um, as we, we talked about those giftings under the category of prophet. And this week we approach into the, the, the um, office of priest, the one who intercedes, the one who cares for, right? Care ministries, mercy ministries, the one who is, who is interceding and, and bearing the weight and bearing the burden, which we're all supposed to do. Just like we are all supposed to teach God's Word. But some of us are more gifted and more passionate for different offices because we've been gifted a certain way. So those of you this morning who are like, I just want to be stern and I want to be the prophet, this morning would be the, the time to remind you that you also need to come with a spirit of gentleness. You need to bear the burdens of others. You need to care for them, right? And if it's not easy for you to do it, then go to the Lord and ask for the help that you need. And then next week we'll be talking about the office of king, and that would be administrative gifts, uh, gifts that uh, we so greatly need um, to help us function as a church and to care for one another in the ministry that God has given us. But here we look to Galatians 6, and we see um, Paul writing to the church in Galatia. And, and, and a little bit of context here. They're um, a church of, of um, Jews and Gentiles who have been redeemed by the Gospel, by the blood of Jesus. Okay? But with that, especially uh, Jewish brothers who have been saved by Jesus, there's some, some baggage Right? We see that in, in the Scriptures where they're still trying to separate the law and, and trying to, to understand that Jesus has set them free, but, but they need to live accordingly. Right, We still need to follow the Word, but we're not bound to the law because Jesus has set us free, but in His setting us free has also raised the bar. Right, So at the very beginning, you see that, that Paul is, is, is dealing with do not believe in another Gospel. 
Because it's a false gospel and it'll send you to hell. And he says actually about those false gospels, he says anathema, let them be accursed. Right? That's a very serious thing. Well, he comes to close up this letter here where we're going to be in, in chapter 6. And um, one day we'll go through Galatians and see it in all of its fullness. But after all that, after him talking about Jesus setting us free, us being um, heirs of the promise, us being grafted in, and all these beautiful things, he comes here to chapter 6, verse 1, and says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's God's word for us this morning, church. Let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, we come to you this morning just, just in awe of who you are. And I, God, I pray that if, if someone here is not in awe of who you are, God, just I pray that they would see your presence here God, they would, they would look into this past week and see Your presence in their life. God, even when we're not looking, even when we're not paying attention, even those unanswered prayers we feel like are unanswered, You are at work and You are answering them and You are accomplishing Your will for our good and for Your glory. God, in this time, I pray that we would draw near to You through Your Word, and I pray that Your Word would sanctify us, God, for there's truth in it. It is truth. Lord, I pray uh, this morning specifically for those who are, are gifted with this priestly-like office. God, those who are, who are very gentle and always caring and it just comes so natural and they're passionate for it. God, I pray that they would find a way to serve and use those gifts in this church. God, I pray that You would make that clear to them. God, I pray that they would, they would begin to talk to the pastors here and we could, we could just show them maybe some opportunities or maybe they'd show us some things that we could do, God and that You would be glorified through their service. Lord, and I pray for, for those who maybe are here and, and, and find it difficult to bear the burdens of others. Find it difficult to, to carry the weight of, of someone else. Find it difficult to sacrificially live for other people. Lord, I pray that, that they would look to the life of our Lord Jesus, Your Son, our Savior. We would see the sacrifice that He made on our behalf. God, that You don't look to us in, in our righteousness, but You look at Christ in us and count us righteous. What a sacrifice. Lord, so I pray that we would, we would come to You seeking wisdom for how we can change and how we could, we could be better interceders and carers for those around us. Serving them. But God, calling them to Your Word and to You and, and the truth that is found in Your Word that sanctifies Lord, and I pray that You would sanctify us this morning, make us in Your likeness, change us, and send us to do the work of, of Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. So the main point this morning for us is serving others requires strength, sacrifice, and stamina. 
Serving others requires strength, sacrifice, and stamina. Oftentimes we talk about serving others and how we all need to serve others. We need to serve, we need to serve, we need to serve, right? Amen? Church, we need to serve, right? We should be about serving. This is something that is, is uh, so well understood even by the outside world, right? That, um, that it's almost like, oh, we don't even really need to, to get into all of this because the outside world says that we need to serve. The outside world says that we need to live and love like Jesus. But what does that look like? It doesn't look like what the world tells us it looks like. It doesn't, it doesn't look like how, how the world is telling us we need to live and we need to act and we need to breathe. No, it comes from God's Word. And here, Paul gives us three really good points from this. That, that serving others requires that strength, that sacrifice, and that stamina. So let's look first at strength. Luckily for me, this doesn't mean physical strength, right? This isn't, I, I talked to you guys last week that I'm, I'm not the guy to, to go to the gym and pump iron. I, just, I, don't, I don't care to do that. Um, so luckily it's not talking about that, right? I, I feel like I'm, I'm strong enough. I don't need to do all the rest. But this is, is talking about spiritual strength. That we need to be spiritually strong, especially when we're serving others. And why would that be? Why would it be important that we would be spiritually strong if we're going to go and to serve others? Now think about that for a minute. Why would it be important that we are spiritually strong before we go and serve others? Now this is very important for us to understand because as we go to serve, we're either going to be sucked into their depravity or we're going to suck them into the righteousness of God, right? That we're going in and we're saying, hey, like, let me serve you, let me love you and, and care for you like Jesus. And what Jesus wouldn't do in that moment is, is give in to their debauchery, right? Right? Yeah, amen. All right. Make sure we're awake, all right? Make sure we're awake at least by, by voting time. You know, we're not confused and think we're, we're voting uh, something else. Verse 1, talking about the strength. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Not some transgression, not, not the transgression we think is worse than others. It says any transgression. So when we, we find a brother being a little bit more sharp or um, stern or maybe a little hateful, he's short-tempered uh, with his wife, that doesn't seem like a big deal, right? Maybe it's just something small. But we should then call that out. He says to do it with a spirit of gentleness, but what Paul is saying is, is do it. So this is connecting the office of prophet to the office of priest. Sometimes we link prophet to the one who's teaching the class, Right? They're, they're not, it's, it's not always engaging. Sometimes it's the preaching of God's Word, right? And I can't connect with everybody who's here this morning. We can't sit and say, what is verse 1? Uh, what, what stands out to you about verse 1? Don, you go first. All right, Andy, I'm going to come to you second. We, we don't do that in our Sunday morning services. But, but in doing life together, which we talk about so often, we would teach the Word through rebuking our brothers and sisters. Now to the priest, right? To the to one who cares and serves and, and it's so easy for you to do life with others. You are to call that out as you see it. You are to point them to God's Word. And you've got a great opportunity because you are so good and, and you're gifted, if, if indeed you're gifted like this, you're gifted at cultivating and building these relationships and having a foundation on God's Word, but now in these moments when something comes up in this relationship that you've built, and you see that it's sinful, you see it's a transgression, not simply against you or your own feeling, but against God and His Holy Word, then you call it out. He says, you who are spiritual 
and not just call it out. The whole point of rebuking a brother or sister for calling them out is to restore them. Church discipline. We don't put that in there so that we can bring somebody before the church on the third step and adios. Even in that moment, our goal as a church family and the pastors of this church is to see them restored. To see them repent, not see them walk out the door. We want to see them stick around. And it's not for our good only, but their good and most importantly, God's glory. But he tells them, he says, brothers, so it's very personal. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him and restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now to the prophet, right? If you're listening to this last week, you're like, yeah, I love doing this. The spirit of gentleness. That we're not harsh. We're stern. I think you all know what I mean by harsh, right? We're not like, you fool, how could you do that? Now there may be a time like Stephen in Acts 7 where you're like, you stiff-necked people, I don't recommend starting with that. Paul gives a very, very, very clear command here. It's not an option. To the prophet, you need to do this in the spirit of gentleness. To the priest, you need to rebuke your brother or sister in Christ. But then you really need to be strong. Because in doing so, you could get taken into their sin. Think about it. I mean, I, I look back at, at my life and, and the, my secular job uh, before getting into full-time ministry and how easy it was in the warehouse I worked in to begin to, to talk like and act like those guys that I spent so much time with. And I found it very important. It was, it, was, it was imperative for me in my life to get another Christian that was working in that warehouse. And God sent that Christian and it helped me so much in my walk so that I could be an example and not like, let them be an example on me. And sometimes we do it so much for the sake of ministry. We're going to get into this. We're, we're going to go and serve these people, but we end up being served by these people and becoming these people. And now we look like the world instead of showing the world what Jesus should look like. What the life of Christ looks like played out in the life of the believer. So he says here, he says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Because there's this, this real reality out there that, that when you are stepping into this, this act of service, this, this sacrificial way of living, you can be tempted and drawn into the crowd and drawn into the acts and sins and desires of those around you. I mean, when I go back to West Virginia, it drives Aubrey crazy. Not that she has a problem with West Virginia. She loves my, my, my family, right? So much. It's that I start to talk like and act like a West Virginian, right? Some of you all are confused and think, well, we know that you're from West Virginia. You pronounce a few things wrong, but that's it. But when I go back to West Virginia, I start saying things like, excuse me, partner, right? And that drives Aubrey crazy. I mean, seriously, it drives her nuts. But what it's shown me is, is the truth behind what Paul's saying here is that it does not take long. And studies show this, church. I didn't get the most recent study, but it used to be that you only had to spend like way less than like a few days with people before you started to, to use their vocabulary. I mean, honestly, go into the world, and I mean, I don't need to share with you all a study. Go hang out with a few people, and you'll start to talk like them. Um, Dan Wu's got me talking like a disc golfer now. Uh, we, were, we were disc golfing, and I said, you know, I play real golf every now and then. He didn't say anything, but he later said ball golf. So now I call golf, ball golf, and disc golf, disc golf, right? He changed me. It just it took one time hanging out. But church, this is everything culturally aside as far as, as how we talk like one another. 
when it comes to holiness and transgression, sin, right? Going against God and His Word. It's very, very serious. That if we're going to go out and be missionaries, if we're going to go out and serve people in the name of Jesus, then we better be strong. Now, I don't mean that you have to be strong in and of yourself, but what I mean is you need to be, be ready, right? We talked about it yesterday. Ready in season and out of season. They're not going to catch you in the bad mood. You're, you're in the Word. You're in the fellowship of believers. You're in the local church. You're serving. You're being served. We'll get to that in a little bit. But in doing so, you're leaning on Christ and His strength and His uh, equipping and giftedness inside of you and not of your own. This is not about us. It's about Christ in us. It's about what He's doing through His people. God didn't save you to send you unequipped. He did not save you to send you to live an unholy life to those He's trying to call into a holy life. No, He called us to be strong. Paul commands us to be strong. And He called us to go and to sacrifice. Point number two. To go and to sacrificially live and serve those around us. So we have a sacrificial way of living, right? We believe in a sacrificial way of giving at this church too. We we look at at Paul's words when he says that God loves a cheerful giver. Pray that amount in your heart and give. You talk to to Pastor Gary, anytime we talk about giving here, Pastor Gary will will remind you to start giving $2 a week. First time he said that, I'm like, I'm never going to pay the bills around here. Everybody's just giving $2 a week. But then give $3 and then give a little bit more. And I'm like, all right, now now we're getting into some sacrificial giving. But the whole point is that you're starting and you're growing and it becomes sacrificial to the point where 10% means nothing because God may be calling you and giving you to a point where you can give more than 10%. And even with our life, wow. What do we give our time to? I know that that we don't give 10% of everything to the Lord. I, I know like, and I know that's general, right? Let's, let's just say that the church in general, we're not giving 10% of our time. And sometimes we're, we're trying to wrap our mind around it. I can, I can get my kid to do a lemonade stand and, and come up with some more money for the church, but where am I going to get more time? That, that's why it's sacrifice. That's why it's, it's sacrifice because we're saying, I can cut this out because it's, it's not all that God-honoring and I can give more time to the church. I can give more time to the ministry. I can give more time to the Lord. I can give more time to the discipling of other believers, to the, to the care of other saints, to the witness of sinners. But we're called to sacrifice. Look at what Paul says in verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Matthew 5, 43 and 44 says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then Jesus goes on and gives the greater commandment that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? To go and to do these things. Love your God with all your heart, might, strength, right? But then love your neighbor as yourself. That is sacrifice. That is something that, that it takes time. Right? I look around and I see the multi, multi-generational church that God has built here, and I can guarantee you that the youngest person sitting in this congregation right now to the oldest person sitting in this congregation right now is still trying to figure this out. But we're told to do it. Because it's sacrifice. It is God-honoring. And then we look at the, the life of Jesus and we think, how difficult could this be 
So hating my enemy, cool. You tell me that, done. I'm already good at it. Now you tell me to love my enemy, to care for them, to serve them, to point them to Jesus. That's difficult. Tell me to bear one another's burdens. Oh my goodness, I've got enough burdens on my back already. Amen? Right? That's how we feel. Our flesh will make us think that. I can't do that because I've got enough on me already. Then we look at the life of Jesus. See, the world wants to tell us that, that Jesus was super nice and we have to do all the things that Jesus did. Jesus wouldn't be mean. Jesus wouldn't be the prophet. But the reason we talk about prophet and talked about prophet last week was because Jesus was a prophet. Jesus did indeed rebuke the false teachings of the world. He did indeed point them to eternal life through Himself. He did indeed call out every heresy. Called out sin. But He did indeed sacrificially serve those around Him. He did bear the burdens of one another. Church, He bore our sin on the cross, if indeed you are a believer this morning. He took your sin to the cross. Nothing, by, by, faith, by grace through faith, right? Paul says in Ephesians that there's nothing we could do to merit this salvation. But Christ took our sin and gave us. He imputed His righteousness to us. Wow. You look at that sacrifice, I look at that sacrifice, and it's so convicting that no word can come out of my mouth to make me rightfully say, I don't need to serve this person. Unless they shut the door and won't let me in, I need to care for them. There's a big, big weight here with this. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, they're worried about the law, right? Again, context. They're worried about maintaining and upholding the law and living according to the law. And yes, church, we too should live according to God's Word. Every bit of it. Front to back. We should care about it. right? Things have been fulfilled. We do have a greater understanding in Christ Jesus our Lord. But look at what he says. He takes the law that they were focused on and he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. They're putting burdens on their brothers. And the, the church in Galatia, they're putting burdens, unnecessary, unbiblical burdens on those around them. And Paul's saying, bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Church, this is a, a transitional period for them. And this understanding that we are not bound to this, but we're set free from Christ. But the bar has been raised. Because of Jesus, things have gotten a little bit more intense in the church. Because of Jesus, the the intensity in His Word has been clarified. The severity is real. The truthfulness is there. How can we ignore this? He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then he goes into some prophetic rebuking. For if anyone thinks he is something, in verse 3, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. So this seems, you have to to really, really look at this, right? For if anyone thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. And then he later says, you'll boast in yourself. We also know that we don't boast in in ourselves or our doing, but in Christ Jesus. Amen? Are we following that? Paul is not telling you, church, to, to go and serve people and think, well, I've got it together and I'm better. I can look to myself. That's not what he's saying. When we go to serve, right, 
sometimes when we, we give a little bit of change, we've got the mentality to the person we're giving change to to feel better than them. To feel like we've got it together. To feel like we don't need to bear their burdens, we can just do this and just back out. This is, this is what's really profound. Listen to what he's saying. If you think you're something when you're nothing, you're deceiving yourself. Because we know that in Christ, He's showing His strength and His power through our weakness. We know that we didn't merit anything on our own. But he says, but let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. Just because your life looks more put together than your neighbor doesn't mean you have it right. Just because, church, we love God's Word and we talk about it more doesn't mean we're actually following it more than the church down the street. Are you following me? We can do a few more better things than the others, but still be in the same boat of depravity. Right, that in the total depravity of man, the doctrine of the total depravity of man, we talk about every man is in the same boat. You're not as bad as you can be, but you're as bad off as you can be. Now, the same thing is true about seeking holiness. We can read this more and more and more and more and more and look to the church down the road and be like, well, we read it more, we're better. But are we following it? Are we actually doing what it's telling us to do? And then notice in verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load, not burden. Those are two different words. And they're two different words for a reason. Sometimes we, we look at load or burden, right? Like I've, I've got like a huge like list of things to do. It's a burden, right? It's a load. And then we think of them to be the same thing. They're not the same thing. They were translated different because of that reason. Even though we're serving others, we still have a load of our own. So we better not look to someone else's situation and think that we're just better off. So while we serve, keep your head up and keep your humility close. Because service does not make us greater. And in our serving church, we are, we are seeking to bring our brother or sister out of that situation. And it may not be sin. They may be going through something in their life where they can't pay a bill, and it's not the result of sin. It's the result of some circumstance in their life or maybe someone else's sin that's been dropped on them. So we want to see them out of that. We want to see them be able to pay that bill again. We want to see them not need the assistance. We want to see them honor God with their hands and their work. So in our service, we're looking to bring our brothers and sisters back up. And he goes on and continues with the sacrifice. Verse 6. I love that Paul writes this because Paul didn't even benefit from this. It says, let the one who has taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. Now this is where we can talk about you, you care for and you love on your pastors and those who teach the Word of God and those who preach the Word of God, you care for them, right? Paul writes this and he says, the one who's, who's sharing God's Word, who's, who's, who's teaching the Word, we should share with them. We should sacrificially love them. Church, you all are a blessing in this area. Like, I should let like, each and every one of you all get up here and, and give a seminar on how to care for your pastors because we are blessed. I mean, seriously. Um, truly blessed. And he goes on, he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So the things that we're putting back into the world, the things that we're doing, the corruption that we're following or the holiness we're seeking is going to be evident in our life because what you sow, that you will also reap. 
So where are we putting our time? Where is our sacrifice? Is our sacrifice in the things that we find most important or in the things that God tells us is most important? Because it's going to show up one way or another in our life and we can look to hide it. We can look to, to say that this service is in the name of Jesus so it is good and it is holy and it is right, but if our heart is not in the right place, it is indeed in vain, church. God will use it for His glory. God will get His purpose through for His glory, but we indeed are still doing it in vain. So what is the purpose? It says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will also reap. Sow into corruption, you get corruption. But notice what he says there. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let's jump down to verse 10 real quick. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. I mean, how, how good and how profound and, and how convicting this verse alone is. As you have opportunity. Now, don't think for a minute the opportunity is not there. Sometimes we look for like, a, a voice from the sky for like, if God really wants me to believe in, in the 66 books, He's going to have to come from the sky and, and yell at me. He's affirmed it over and over and over. The Bible says there's going to be a generation that demands more fire from the sky, another sign from God, and it will not be given to them. Church, quit asking for the sign when indeed it's been given. There's opportunity before us. There's opportunity we've left behind us. But there's always going to be opportunity to serve. If you're looking for it, maybe, maybe it's not clear to you. Come talk to a pastor today. We can show you where you can use these gifts. But he says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. This is almost that in season, out of season. As the opportunity comes up, not, not when you're seeking it, as the opportunity comes, as it arises, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. We've become so missional-minded that the church has become so tired and so burnt out because we're spending all our time and all our efforts on the outside, and then we're trying to spend all our time on the outside and efforts on the outside, trying to make it look the same on the inside. Because if, if we look on the inside the way that we act on the outside, then maybe people from the outside would come hang out on the inside. And the church has been neglected. Our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ are in other churches not being fed and being okay with it. It's not okay. And what he says here is profound because while we're doing and seeking and, and sharing with those outside, we're neglecting our brothers and sisters who Paul says especially. As opportunity arises, let us do good to everyone. And especially. That means more than. Especially our church family that we would care for them. Those of the household of faith. That is why church membership is so important to us. Because you could come in and we know that you're going to leave, right? If you don't, you don't want to sign or you don't want to commit, the reason we do this is because we have doctrines. We have, uh, we have a statement of faith that we, is very simple and very basic and a lot of people could believe it. But it's us saying, hey, we believe this and we're going to go and live accordingly to this, God's Word, and we're going to go live life on mission together and you're going to hold me accountable and I'm going to hold you accountable and God's going to be honored in this. And we are going to care for one another. We're going to care for the outside too. We're going to go and we're going to share and we're going to show the love of Christ. But church, here you're going to be served too. Because for far too long, the church has, has ignored this and they've run out of stamina. Point number three. 
People are growing weary. Brothers and sisters are tired. And especially those who serve. So if you serve here this morning, you need to be served also. We will, in the name of Jesus, fill our schedules for the sake of mission. We'll neglect our spouse, but it's for the sake of the kingdom. So it's okay. We will, we will spend our time and our efforts making disciples while not caring for the ministry that God's called us to first. And church, if you don't have a family, first off, that's you. You need to be cared for. You need to be spiritually fed. That's not selfish. That's holy. God has told you to be served. God has told you to be fed. God has told you to be cared for and served too. Look what he says. He says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. 2 Thessalonians 3, 13-15 also says this. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So he also, all of this coming together, same kind of concept that you're calling them out, you're rebuking them so that they would be restored. But he opens up that passage saying, do not grow weary of doing good. Don't get tired of it. If you're married, you understand this all too well. Or maybe you need to hear it this morning. You're going to become irritated and aggravated every day of your marriage. And it could be small or it could be major. It could be the smallest, most little problem, just taking the laundry down. Or it can become a bill problem, right? That your finances are screwed up and someone's been lying. But you are to fight and to care for and to cultivate and not grow weary in your marriage. But we, the church, are not to grow weary in the mission and the service of God. How do we fight that? So you who serve and love to serve, be served. Take a break from time to time. Put in your schedule moments to breathe. Because if not, you'll end up decades into ministry, never fed, never satisfied, joyless. And we know that that's the opposite of the life that Christ has given to us. Now that means that we are to carry burdens. That stinks. We are to go and to, to love those who hate us. That's rough. But it tells us here, not one person here, not the priest person, but also the person who would fall into the category of prophet, the other one who would fall into the category of king, you too are to bear the burdens of your brothers and sisters sitting here this morning. And you, who always serve, let your burdens go. Let them know what is burdening you this, this week. We can't know if it's never said. And we will never know if you're never plugged in. So it is, it is so important to get plugged in and to do life together. Part of serving others is actually, church, letting them serve you. I heard a guy say that one time and it was super profound to me. It just blew my mind. Part of serving others is letting them serve you that you need to let them get into your life because what it's doing is it's teaching them how to bear the burdens. It's teaching them how to care for, right? It gets them up out of their situation to say, hey, yeah, now I get to pick you back up, right? Don't grow weary. Actually, the Bible says outdo one another in doing good, right? To outdo one another in, in showing love and hospi hospitality. Do these things. Now, this isn't like to, to be better, to be, have a better platform, but it's to care for our church and exalt the name of Jesus and glorify our Father. Amen?
So we are to serve to the, the one who falls in the category of prophet. You've got to try a little harder. To the priest, you've got to let them serve you a little bit more. And to the king, you too need to try a little harder. Because when we serve, God is honored. When we care for one another, God is honored. He is honored through the rebuking, through the preaching, through the teaching, uh, through the care ministry, through the administrative ministry, through the, the cleaning of our church, through the, the care of our kids, through the, through the oversight, just the whatever it might be, through the medical team. Whatever it is here at this church, God is honored. But let us serve. And as we do so, let's do it with strength, sacrifice, and stamina. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank You for this morning that we've had together to, to come to You through Your Word. And I pray, Lord, that You would continue to work on our heart this week, God, to, to those who are filling the conviction, Lord, I pray that Your Spirit inside of them now would, would encourage them. God, would show them the areas and the doors that You've opened and the opportunities You've given to them to serve and to care for others so that You would be glorified and so that brothers and sisters would be restored. Pray that they would also lean into the fact that we do have folks here that are better at certain areas of ministry. God, that, that, that we would channel into that a little bit. We would talk to them. We would pick their brain on, on ways that we could serve others better. God, I pray that we would compliment one another in a way that, that if we can bring a brother and sis, or her sister in that is, is better than us or more gifted than us, we'd bring them in and, and let them do ministry with us. Lord, I really want to lift up to You this morning those who serve with a passion that have been gifted and Lord, that You've called and You've equipped and You've sent into this specific area of ministry. Lord, I pray that You would, you would give them rest. Right now, Lord, as, as they're coming here and they've got many burdens because they're carrying the burdens not just of their own, it's not just their load, God, but it's the burdens and it's the sin and it's the weight of others around them. Lord, would You encourage them right now? Would You comfort them? Would You get them off their feet this morning and, and have them come and, and seek prayer? Seek help. God, we can do so many things in Your name and end up burnt because we were not fully plugged in, because we were not being served. God, You know that I'm the first of those. Yeah, just carrying weight and carrying weight. But God, Your Word has showed us that, that we are to to serve and to be served here in this church. So I thank You for this church family who does care for us, who does care for one another and loves one another. Lead us in that as we go out this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.